0: Where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and thanks for listening. Here on the healthcare app, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change, and we're trying to do something about it. If you want to help healthcare be more about consumers and innovation, this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in the digital transformation movement, and you'll be one of the ones leading meaningful change. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast to neutral. We're hitting the gas. Each week, we speak with leaders who are part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally, and the backs stage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to stay ahead of the curve. This is episode number 147. We're now in season five, which is our quest to answer whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience the consumers desire. There's a lot of work to do, so it's time to get fired up. Before we launch this rocket ship into orbit, I want to give a quick shout out to the crew at Jennings Healthcare Marketing and their video series on the Shift.Health content network called Marketing for Better Health. It's a greatest hits collection of videos by Dan Dunlop from his blog that provide tips on post-pandemic planning, addressing consumer fears, using effective content marketing to improve community health, and so much more. The first two seasons are available on demand at Shift.Health, so be sure to check it out. Again, the series is called Marketing for Better Health. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the Week about how to get people to care about your brands. There's more noise out there than ever, and your brand won't stand out by blending in and creating content that feels like noise. I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I are going to dive into the innovation function in healthcare organizations and the awesomeness that can come when innovation and marketing play well together. It's time to dive right in. You ready? Let's go.
0: Flavor of the Week.
1: The noise level is at an all-time high. Hear me on this, okay? Brands are lost right now trying to engage their audiences and I don't think COVID is the only reason. We've been trending toward a state of digital marketing disillusionment for years as the cumulative effects of marketing culture's quest for clicks begin to see their own demise. These clicks aren't as easy to come by anymore, and when you serve up enough clickbait over time, consumers eventually learn to spend their precious digital attention elsewhere. It's the result of being happy with the 1% success rate at the expense of interrupting the other 99. It's also because brands don't spend enough time defining what makes their voice different. And so they blend in and become more noise. Ironically, the remedy is the same as it's always been. Give people a reason to care about your brand. Spend more time defining exactly how you're different. It's in your everyday word choice. It's in every interaction. And it needs to be part of your culture. Your brand needs to be consistent for everyone who creates any interaction with consumers, including agencies that run your social media, performance marketing, and your content. As long as there's content on the internet, people will consume it. We want it to inform, entertain, or inspire us. Or even all three at once. Content is audio. It's visual. It's written words, but it's more. And now there's so much of it. You don't get people to care about you by blending in. So how is your brand going to rise above the noise? How do you engage? Here are two thoughts. First, supplement the fast food of your top of funnel content with enough substantial content that people can sink their teeth into. In other words, if all your content does is give a sugar high, it'll eventually fizzle out. Second, Think of the good that can come when healthcare brands in particular create content and media that makes people healthier. The world needs a lot more trusted brands and voices sharing accurate health information and providing hope. Plenty of organizations are doing it strategically in ways that also grow their business. It's hard, really hard, but it's how good brands win. And that's the flavor of the Week. Zane's in the house again. Hey, man, how the heck are you? Good. How are you, Jared? I'm hanging in here just uh, living in this crazy world. This week was a little bit crazy. We had uh, hail slash nearly snow in Phoenix. And so I just I felt like that's I thought that we were in 2021 by now. Like, <laughs> like, what, what's up?
2: Yeah, finally, it's snowing here in Detroit. We had a little bit of um freezing rain this morning so i drove into work and it was a little bit slippery so i had to be careful
1: see if if i had ever encountered that like in the last nine or ten years i'd probably be okay with it but my mind and body are just utterly confused right now (laughs) because it's in phoenix
2: global warming or climate change i guess they call it
1: indeed indeed Well, Zane, tell you what, we like to start these things with finding out what's the latest awesome thing you've heard about. you want to get us going there?
2: Yeah, so Jared, the latest, most awesome thing that I've heard about that I'm completely obsessed with is Clubhouse. Have you heard of it? I've not only heard of it, I'm on it now. Awesome. So Clubhouse, I guess just for our listeners, is, I guess I would describe it as... Think of it as like social audio. And so it's an app, you download it, go on and you can hop between rooms and you just listen to what people are saying. And you can create your own room, you become a moderator and you can invite quote unquote people in the audience to come and speak. And so imagine like a live podcast that just keeps going and there are people on there from all walks of life who have a lot to say across all different topics. And so I've been on it for about two weeks now. Friend of mine, James Snook from Seattle invited me and probably go on every night for an hour and just take part in different discussions. A lot of it's around healthcare and the things that we talk about here as well. And then I also use it just to listen in on topics that I'm not familiar with at all. So a lot of like art, arts conversations, diversity, equity, inclusion conversations. And I guess I'll say too, it's like an emerging app. So it crashes every now and then, still very new, not too, too many people on there. And I could just really see this thing taking off. And again, it's all audio, no video, no chats, no pictures. And so it's just really cool to listen to people speak and hear what they have to say.
1: So more social and less media.
2: Correct. Correct. And I think so it gives the app a different feel than like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Cause I think a lot of people hide behind, you know, the pictures or the chats and you know how well they can write. But on Clubhouse, you have to speak. And so there's, I can imagine, a whole different level of influencer and thought leaders emerge. Because now you can actually tell who actually knows what they're talking about by what they say, as opposed to you know just cool quotes they find or good pictures they can take.
1: You know what? From the couple of times I've logged on so far, I've got to say it is refreshing to not have the curated feed of someone's life. And like you said, other things that they have found that are not theirs. Like yep. we're, we're, we're saturated with that. We, we've gotten that in our lives. So nice to find something else.
2: Check it out. We'll meet you on there.
1: Yeah, let's, let's talk about reimagining healthcare there or something, I don't know.
2: Honestly, we could have our own club so we can have the Healthcare Wrap Club and engage our listeners there. Well, there's an idea. Yeah. <laughs> we just have to do this live though, so.
1: We will, but we can tell people when we're going to be there. Absolutely. All Schedule right, stay, yeah, stay tuned, people. So Zane, I thought what would be really good this time is if we we talk about innovation for everybody else, if that makes sense. So innovation for those in the healthcare organization who are not familiar with this side of things, with this discipline, with the benefits of of everything that comes with it. So I'd package up human-centered design, experience design, service design, design thinking, you name it. A lot of the different tenets and approaches and uh, philosophies that have to do, in my mind, with innovation, which this is very different than taking what we've done and just kind of slightly tweaking it based on what we know this is very much forward thinking and it's a it's a way to design you know what's going to uh, give us a competitive advantage and i think that's one piece that that often gets missed at least for those who are not in the innovation field and so zane uh, if you were the one standing up there and it's it's day one of hospital new employee orientation right and you're the one explaining and sharing here's what the innovation team does here's what the you know here's what our discipline is all about here Here's the value that we bring. Here's where we live, that kind of thing. I think that's what would be useful today. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of from that standpoint, and then we're going to dig into like, what are the challenges, you know, what's the status quo that the innovation team helps to improve? So let's start with kind of like the, you're in front of everybody and saying, hey, here's what innovation is uh, for those of you who are not that familiar.
2: Sure. So, you know, to me, when I think about innovation, it's really, it's, you know, really thinking about... The processes, the tools, the science, if you will, that we're going to use to invent new products or services that are not just incrementally better or different, but, you know, have a certain magnitude and order of difference to them where they're not similar to what we already have. So almost like taking a step forward, completely forward and instead of just taking an incremental step forward. And then specific in healthcare, you know, I really see innovation applied in you know three big ways. And the first is either to improve the patient experience, which I know we talk about a lot about in these circles, Jared. Um, and I would also add quality into that. So patient experience, quality of care, the other big bucket, you could say, is sort of around the cost of care. And so and sometimes those things go hand in hand. So making sure that we're you know, delivering care efficiently. And then probably the third way that a lot of people aren't honest about that current health systems use innovation for is really just to expand market share. And so it's sort of to summarize and it's sort of patient experience quality, the cost of care. So making care more efficient, looking for innovative ways to do that. And finally, just looking for innovative ways to grow the business or cover more lives or add more value to communities, which are all just sort of different ways of saying we want to expand our market share.
1: What's the relationship between innovation and strategic planning or, you know, or strategy team that is knee deep, eyeball deep in data every day?
2: Yeah. So a lot of, strategy teams, I mean, depending on how they're structured, some of them have the mandate of really looking to the future. And so some of them have teams that scan and look and watch. And you know, I'm I'm familiar with Banner Health down in Arizona, I believe, who actually has a foresight team. And what they would then do is keep watching what's going on in the market to see new trends, new ideas, and particularly outside of healthcare, how new technologies are being applied, what new business models are being used in you know, maybe the hospitality industry. Then from there, they take those insights and bring them into the strategy team as an artifact and say, hey, given what the goals of this organization are, is there an opportunity to find a way to tailor this concept or this, this insight into what we do every day and deploy it at scale across the system? And so that's sort of, I guess, one example of how I would see true innovators interdigitating with the strategy team.
1: Right, so kind of as you were explaining to me earlier before we hit record versus you know the difference being trying to drive forward while looking through the rearview mirror. Can you explain that to me again
2: one Sure, more time? sure. Yeah, so a lot of strategy teams use data or typical strategic planning so where they look, you know, they get some sort of market analysis from XYZ vendor. And basically, from this data that we pay dearly for, actually some of it comes from United Healthcare, and we can we can talk about that offline or in a whole nother podcast about have their hands everywhere. Um, but from this data, we can basically tell or make predictions on you know in this market or in this geographic area or in this zip code. There's probably going to be a need for this many orthopedic cases or this many cancer cases or this service, so on and so forth. And that's good as one input, but that data can't Well, it can't do two things. So first, it can't tell you how somebody wants those services. So in the case where health systems are really thinking about differentiating their experience, that data can't tell us that. It also can't tell us um, in seasons of a lot of change like we're in right now here with COVID-19, it can't necessarily paint a picture for what the future looks like um, in a way that we can trust, at least in my opinion. And so like I explained to you earlier, Jared, doing only relying on that as your insight and your strategic planning is sort of like driving, trying to drive forwards by looking through the rearview mirror. And so that style of data is only as good, is only as good as we believe the future to be similar to the past. And I don't think anyone, Jared, in healthcare would believe that that's true.
1: I think you're right. I think that's safe to say. If we've learned anything in the last 12 months, it is that. Nobody expects the future to be what it was. So then if we talk about this in terms of, you know, status quo versus what needs to improve. So what's the status quo in healthcare organizations that innovation teams can help?
2: So the way innovation is structured in health systems right now is kind of all over the place, depending where you're at. And so there's a, within health systems, there's a lot of performance improvement teams who really are just looking at incremental improvements. And a lot of these folks are like Lean Six Sigma trained, they're engineers by background. And sometimes we call that the innovation. sometimes. In other organizations, we have innovation institutes or innovation studios. And a lot of times what these groups within hospital systems are doing is what could be equated to what some people would call innovation theater, where they just have some sort of funding, whether it's from the health system or from a grant and they're just doing cool stuff, but it doesn't really translate anywhere. But more mature health systems are, that are sort of more disciplined in the innovation, innovation mentality, if you will, have a little bit of both where they have dedicated folks who are creative, visionary, who follow certain processes and methods like design thinking, like foresight thinking, you know, like experience design, and are able to work in partnership with operations to basically ideate and then validate that these ideas and concepts that are built on insight work and slowly but surely hand them off into operations so that they become everyday business. And so one real quick way to size up an organization's innovation function is really to look at that arc of how integrated are they with operations. And if they're not, there's a good chance that they're not really doing a whole lot beyond theater, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does, It does, which leads me to the question of where does it make sense for the innovation team to live? Who owns that? Where where does it report up?
2: Sure, so in my view, I mean, some organizations have a chief um, innovation officer. I think that's a great title to have. It could live there. It could live under the chief strategy officer. It could also live under the chief administrative or operating officer. But the key is that it must report directly to someone of that level. And the reason why, at least in my opinion, is if you're doing innovation well, you're presenting the organization with a set of options or a set of new services and products that ultimately will force the organization to make tough decisions. And so it has to be owned by someone who's senior enough to say, you know what, this is the path forward. And so a great example would be, you know, a lot of organizations right now are trying to reinvent primary care and there is an existing primary care model out there called direct primary care and I've seen some legacy health systems try to experiment with okay can a direct primary primary care healthcare model work for us the danger with that is that it would ultimately cannibalize their current primary care business model and infrastructure so that'd be a great example of, okay, Some the innovation team would have to you know, work through these different service models, present the concepts, and then finally present it to an executive and say, here are the trade-offs. If we stick you know, with traditional primary care, here's where we expect it to go. If we stick with, or if we start to integrate direct primary care, here's where we expect it to go, and so on and so forth. But it has to be owned at the executive level, or there's just not enough um, support across the organization to continue on with what these innovation teams have developed or proposed.
1: I see, I see. So then, what about relationships with other teams within the structure? Either they're they're within one of those kind of areas, yeah, uh, strategy or. Like you said, reporting up to the chief administrative officer, operations, etc. There are the other related teams that might, you know, work with the innovation team. We've talked about operations. Tell me about the relationship with the marketing team. What's the opportunity for an innovation team to come in and and innovate marketing?
2: Sure. So, so maybe to answer your question, then specifically, so you have obviously you have to be partner with operations because that's where largely these these things live. Um, definitely need to be partnered with the strategy team if you're not already part of it. And then certainly, given given our day, a lot of you know the innovations that we're doing have some technology component to them, and so they absolutely need to be aligned to your IT team and your digital teams. Marketing is an interesting one. Because to me, the opportunity there is to really work with the marketing team to understand really who our customers actually are and start to glean some of the insights that marketing technically potentially has at its fingertips. So I think about all the insights that are available by studying and scrubbing who comes to our website or who answers an email or who lives in our CRM. Those insights are desperately needed by innovation teams to fundamentally understand who the customer is so they can develop new products and services that exactly align and map out onto those personas, if you will. Um, the other thing too is I think the marketing team in partnership with the IT team can really be helpful at prototyping new ideas or quickly gleaning, quickly be able to assess if there's potentially a market for what you're doing. And so what I mean by that, a great example that I read about in the innovators method It's a book that's recently gone out, and I can't remember which company did it. But basically, what they did is they came up with a new product. Let's say it was, I don't know, a red bike they wanted to sell. And what they did is they put up, um, basically, they called it a sales MVP. So they basically put up a website that said, hey, if you're interested in this, sign up. And when it's available, you know, we'll come and get it. Now, that sounds like a very simple opportunity and something you'd see happen in another industry no problem but healthcare has a really hard time doing things like that and so partnering with your marketing team to sort of be that person who has direct contact with your patients and you can potentially use them to get your insights i think could be tremendously valuable
1: oh i really like that idea i feel like that's the opportunity there and if we focus on this not being a turf war, but ultimately, I mean, the intro rap of this podcast, you know, let's all be on the same team. Like we're all working Absolutely. towards the same thing, you know, instead of seeing things as silos or turf wars or whatever they've been before. The opportunity for innovation teams and marketing in particular to work together is what just kind of blows my mind every every day, every time I think about it. And I think this all has to do with the I was trying to think like why? Like, you know, why is the opportunity so big there? And I guess coming from the digital and marketing side of things. I could see the point where where without that type of input we would get stuck in the mode of the existing channels and platforms that we were managing and we wouldn't see how they would tie together. We would just have this this uh, myopia. You know, we would just we couldn't see outside of that. We couldn't just take a few steps up to see the bigger picture and realize, hey, if we started actually talking about merging and sharing that data with the electronic medical record, sharing that in my chart, instead of trying to solve this on our own, there's already data that lives somewhere else on a different side of things that we're just not realizing that, A, it can be the same data, and B, it can at the very least play together and actually solve that problem. But you can't do it on your side, and the clinical teams can't do it on their side. IT can't do it on their side, on their own. And so even just that, that thinking of, like, let's focus on one part of this experience. Let's focus on online scheduling. I mean, I remember being told when I even floated the idea of, well, you know, if y'all really want to know, I was speaking to the CIO, you know, many years ago, and what opportunities do we have and whatever. And I said, well, if you really want to know what consumers want, they just want us to make scheduling easier. You know, we could put that online, heaven forbid. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, the the providers are never going to do that. Like they're (laughs) never going to say yes to that. I'm like, well, yeah, if you ask them, they're not, they're always going to say no because they think that's going to make it more complicated for them. But it doesn't have to. And but it was it was like a non-starter already. And I thought like that's so I I clearly went about this wrong. (laughs) You know, was kind of my message to myself. And I just thought Okay. Well, we can't just say, "Well, let's go look at other things." Like that's the thing. Online scheduling was the thing, and it's it still kind of is today for so many organizations. And so you know, that was just one you know one thought of of how you know you bring an innovation team together with marketing, like you said, figure out you know think forward, but also look at hey, the, you bring you know, with marketers, you bring the present. When they're doing their jobs right, they're bringing, "Hey, here's what consumers want right now. Like, here's their Absolutely. experience right now." And so, the present plus the future really has an opportunity to change things.
2: Absolutely. I guess to summarize, I guess what I was thinking, like, if you think about the fundamentals of good design, it's three concentric circles. It's desirability: do people want this? Whatever I'm developing. It's viability, meaning, you know, from a business sense, does a solution work? And then Desirability, viability, and feasibility. Is it actually technically possible? And so marketing really owns that desirability. So understanding from our patients, from our clients, is whatever we're developing actually something that people want? And frankly, that's also the independent variable. So you start there. And so you might argue that marketing needs to be, or at least from that camp, needs to be the place from which all innovation flows.
1: Ooh, well, we might have just found the title for our episode.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> there we go. What a perfect way to wrap up here, Zane. Uh, let, let's take a, a second here. And, and uh, we're we're doing a call to action at the end of each one of these things too. So when we're thinking about one tactical step that leaders can take in this direction, where I'm thinking is just to open this conversation. And th- this is a cultural thing. So if there's an innovation team right now, awesome. How often are they kind of getting outside of the lab? You know what I mean? Like Like how often are they initiating conversations, doing a lunch and learn, sharing what they're learning, just sharing the insights that they're gaining. Every time I have a conversation with anyone in human-centered design, in innovation, in experience design, you name it, I learn something every single time. And I'm like, you guys got me to a place I've never been before. I love this. And hopefully those kinds of insights are being socialized within an organization. So I would think my call to action would be for whoever Marketing and innovation report up to. If you've got both both teams there, awesome. Make sure you're talking to each other. Like initiate that. Make it part of the culture, and instead of a turf war, that's my thought.
2: I like that. And one thing I would say, concrete call to action would be for leaders to up their skills in call it visualization or storyboarding. And without getting too much into it, I just really feel that that. You know, being able to visually represent whatever product or service you're trying to come up with can really help unlock minds in an organization to understand what you're you're trying to get at. And so many times, you know, in my work, I see people try to do that through written PowerPoint or some odd Excel spreadsheet, and it just doesn't hit. And so as leaders, if we can up our skills to become visual and if it's drawing, if it's paper mache, if it's using a storyboarding tool online, do it. And I promise it'll inspire and unlock people to want to follow you on sort of the vision that you have for whatever this new product or service is.
1: I love it. Same great way to wrap this up. Thanks for sharing all this. And uh, I, I love infusing as much of the innovation world as we can into our conversations each week. Thanks again. Talk to you next time. Thanks,
2: Jared. Have a good one.
1: Hey, thanks again to Zane and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, please, this is so important, please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. Go check it out at Shift.Health. We have 26 podcasts and video series about shifting the way healthcare is experienced. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap.